Hello, my name is Jonathan Antoine. I'm a Dene from Tlidikwe First Nations, that is in the Dachel region of the Northwest Territories. I am the producer and host of All Ages, All Voices podcast, brought to you by the Dachel First Nations and the Dachel Collaborative on the Permafrost Project, based at Wilfrid Laurier University. The main goal of All Ages, All Voices podcast is to highlight the role of Dene environmental stewardships in the face of climate change-related impacts. In this episode, I talked to Lawrence Nieli, the radio host of Trails End at CBC. Here is the conversation. Suzy Lawrence Nealy went to say, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, CBC radio going to my name is Lawrence Neali and I'm from the Pitsaki First Nations out in Wrigley Northwest Territories. I currently reside in Yellowknife uh, nearby Tucho, uh, the big lake and I work gathering stories in hopes of helping others through their storytelling through with uh, the CBC. And uh, you know, what I also said in the language was, you know, I've been here my whole life and I've been fortunate and blessed enough to have heard many stories and teachings and our elders in the past talked of great changes that our people would eventually see, you know, these elders have, that, that have gone long ago already. And uh, it seems that those changes are happening before us. So I, I hope through this conversation, through my words, that I'm able to paint a, a picture and help others understand just where we're at as a, as a group here in the north. Sweet. Yeah, the first question is, uh, All Ages, All Voices podcast is um, is a podcast about climate change from an indigenous perspective. And, um, and first off, like, what can you tell me about climate change in the north, in the day show? Well, I know that the climate is unpredictable. Our environment, though, has definitely seen a, a change over the years, um, especially if, when I was a young person, you know, about this time of year. In January, today is January, what, 20, uh, 21st, 20th? 21st. Yeah, so today is January 21st, and usually about this time of year, from my memory that I can recount on, um, it's usually pretty cold. Usually, 
minus 25, minus 30. Um, but today it's minus 11. And, you know, when you talk about the dead show, uh, yesterday uh, we had a friend who was doing workout in Na Ande, then the Hani Butte area uh, shared that it's, it rained over there. Um, we're seeing temperatures in the north change dramatically and that's cause for concern um, you know we don't know how the animals uh, and our plant matter and, and all the other creatures will react to a sudden change like that um, but you know one of the stories that uh, I gathered this week was uh, the chief Steve Vettel for the Nahani Dene, Nahani Butte Dene Band was sharing how when they were, when they are currently building a winter road to the Prairie Creek mine, um, they have to grade off the top layer of the ground. And in order to stabilize that ground, especially in the winter months, um, you have to pour water on the surface. They had to do that a couple times because the ground was so dry uh, that it just f it absorbed that water uh, pretty quickly. Um, this, this past summer was the driest on record for the Northwest Territories. And, uh, you know, even though we got a lot of snow, that's telling me by springtime that the land will uh, definitely absorb all of this this uh, snow pretty quick. Um, one of the things that we're also seeing is the melting of the permafrost. You know, before when things used to melt in the north in the spring and leading into June, there was usually a lot of groundwater that would stay above ground, but these days it seems to just be going right through. And um, I'm not a scientist, uh, but uh, that's telling me that the underlayer uh, permafrost that is melting at a dramatic rate that's leaving the land to absorb moisture fairly quickly. So it's leaving that top ground very dry. And that is a concern uh, for the summer months, uh, you know, with uh, an increase of uh, chances of major forest fires. We've seen those over the years. Uh, back in 2014, we've seen a, a pretty huge one. Um, so there's a lot of other different factors happening in the north. Um, you know, when it goes to the ice formation, that's changed. There seems to be more white ice than black ice. Uh, there's just a recent research paper on that. And so that's, uh, you know, a, a great deal of concern for many hunters and travelers out in the land um, that used to be able to just go pretty much most places without really having to question the, the usual routes that they would take. And what I mean is that, you know, you go to, you go back and forth to these usual locations to go on the land and in some instances, you know, you fall through the ice where, where that shouldn't be happening. Um, and, you know, the north has seen an increase in drownings 
um, in the winter months. You know, we had an alder in Kakiza Lake uh, a few winters back that went through the ice. That was very unfortunate. And that shouldn't be happening. Um, we're seeing different species uh, migrate into the north that we haven't seen before. Um, our wildlife, our, our you know the, the indigenous wildlife to this area, you know that their, their migration patterns are changing. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, they, the first time they've seen pelicans, uh, I believe in Ulahaktuk, and so. You know, why are the animals doing that? Uh, moose have been seen in the higher Arctic than usual. Um, the, the, and we don't know how this warming climate affects even hibernating bears, right? Because when you have a, a pretty steady fluctuation of temperatures, that causes a lot of overflow on the land. And some of that overflow pours into, you know, the dens of nearby bears that are sleeping, causing them to wake up. And so, uh, you know, that's also another thing. Um, it was really interesting a few years back, you know, we had rain and then it froze right after. And the concern back then was uh, how the caribou might be affected by that. Right, because it'd be difficult for them to get to their food source, which is on the ground. Um, you know, years ago, uh, I think it was in eastern Canada, uh, a herd of 50,000, I believe, went through the ice, or 10,000 went through the ice um, because of unstable ice formations. Uh, we have major flooding, and that's been happening in the Mackenzie River. Uh, last year it was Hay River, the year before that it was the Gedele, Jimarie River, and Tlitiquan, Fort Simpson, you know, and now we have to worry about erosion of land and potential landslides. My community in Pitseki, De, uh, Wrigley, uh, there are some members over there that have a genuine concern, you know, the, the, for those, uh, for the houses that are built near the, the riverbank. Um, all it'll take is, you know, a good earthquake or severe floods or rain to cause uh, irreparable damage uh, along the, the shoreline. And you go up and down the Mackenzie River and you see that. I seen that last last summer going on, going on that river. Um, you have major sinkholes and, and just a variety of different things that we're experiencing up in the north. And that's one of the things that they talked about, you know, the scientific community, the, cl the climate scientific community is that uh, climate change is real. And the first people that all feel the impacts of that is the North, right? The tragic thing about, you know, I, th I feel like what the South doesn't understand is a lot of the pollutants that they put out into the atmosphere uh, travels up here and it lands on the ground up here. And we don't know how that, you know, impacts uh, migratory birds, um, you know, caribou and what have you. So there's like all of these uh, climate effects that, that we're now seeing. And, you know, elders in the past talked about these great changes that we'll eventually see. And I think it's already here. Um, there's been conversations uh, within the international community about what can be done to 
mitigate or try to reduce the impacts of climate change. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're, we're getting pretty close to uh, the edge, I feel, um, you know, with the warming of the Arctic in the north and also the Antarctic ice sheets in Antarctica, um, you know, falling into the ocean. With, they talk about the sea level rise. I don't think people, you know, understand what will happen if we get a few meters increase in, in the ocean waters. Um, you know, a lot, millions of people live along the coast all around the world. If that water were to go up, um, that would cause them to move further inland and have much more strain on vegetation, livestock, wildlife, what have you. Um, but, but, you know, it's all doom and gloom, it sounds like, but I, I do believe that there is hope that we could change the outcome if we just like what you're doing here uh, let people know what what's happening and there's great people out there doing incredible work and uh, i think all they need is proper support yeah from from government and you know local people on the ground yeah um what can be done <laughs> I, you know the, it's that's a very difficult question to answer you know um, especially given the capitalist system that we're currently living in like none of this is, would be happening if money wasn't at the heart of it but really it is right um, but also at the same time money can change technologies and innovations and what have you so I don't know honestly what can be done you know up in the north we're uh, faced with a carbon tax you know even though we don't emit a fraction of the carbon globally compared to southern Canada like Alberta and Ontario um, but it's those other countries uh, like China and what have you um, that really have to think about the impacts that they're having on their from, from their industries right um, and, and it's like the north is beautiful and we're fortunate enough to still have a lot of the land and wildlife intact when it comes to fresh drinking water clean air uh, lush vegetation system when it comes to arboreal forests you know I think what we can do here is to protect <clears throat> what we have so far you know when the 50s and 60s rolled around there was uh, you know um, a focus on the north developing the resources like we're sitting on potentially billions of dollars of oil gas diamonds gold lithium you name it we, like it's just so underexplored but we're also cognizant, I feel, as indigenous peoples, that, uh, you know, we don't need the world's riches, you know. Um, we can probably harvest some to help us, you know, through hard times or, or what have you. But I think um, back then the elders knew that if we were to open up the floodgates, it would not only change our lifestyle and the way that we're connected to the land and the environment and 
the wildlife, but it would also affect, you know, the wildlife and ecosystem up here and and change things at an accelerated rate. So they, they put a pause on a lot of that. You know, Yellowknife um, has developed, you know, um, as a result, you have all of this arsenic trioxide in the ground that could kill off the entire planet, you know, a, a few times over. Um, you know, you go to uh, Sotu near Delaunay, uh, where they took out radium or, or uranium for you know, nuclear arms and, you know, medicinal reasons like things for cancer research and whatnot. But what they left behind in both places is, uh, you know, a, a toxic legacy that we now have to li live with. So that that should be a lesson, you know, um, for, for people that are just gung-ho on making extravagant amounts of wealth for themselves um, so you know take it slow but I think what we can do in the meantime is just kind of identify areas we want to develop and identify areas on the side of that that we want to protect um, and, and we're doing a good job you know leaders and governments here and local indigenous governments community level governments are doing the best that they can. Um, you know, I want to point people towards the Detro Land Use Plan. That is a model that, uh, you know, other nations have looked into on ways to manage the lands and resources. And I think that's something we can look at, look at more closely. Um, you know, because within that Detro Land Use Plan, they've identified protected areas, They've identified watershed that they want to protect, uh, huge swaths of land to protect for uh, woodland caribou, moose population, and you name it. And in, in the midst of all of that, they've also identified areas where we can explore for resources and, and what have you, but to, to not just overload the system by like I said before, open up the floodgates to that type of development. We've seen what it it's done in other countries like Brazil and you know South America and what have you. Um, and you know sometimes the system fails the people where they'll extract and exploit their lands and resources, and then the people are just left with this toxic. You know, legacy and and still in, in poverty. There's some good examples out there of that happening. So we don't want that up in the north. You know, um, so I, I really truly believe that the original people of this area are stewards of the land. And what we can do in ensuring that it, the land is still protected is that we use our voice, uh, our collective voice, um, together. But then, you know, on the other spectrum of things, you do have people that want uh, to have resource development and what have you. And I have nothing against that on a personal level. 
um, just do it sustainably and have the people involved and make sure everybody gets the you know can reap the benefits uh, of those developments because far too often a lot of people are just left with the scraps and uh, you know I think coming out of this pandemic people have had enough of that you know we have high inflation taxes high price of food up here there's lots of um, room I feel for 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 some development to to take place and they are right um, but for everybody to have their equal share I think is would be great you know not leaving everybody behind you know um, when it comes to Denny values and principles and just this whole conversation around decolonizing you know indigenizing um, society and what have you I think going back to those roots those earlier concepts of what it means to share what it means to help others um, needs to really be shared with the world and you know there's other indigenous groups that they're across this beautiful planet of, of ours that practice that um, and it's you know sometimes their kindness gets um, not the best of them but you know people like to take advantage of people that are nice and, and kind and I think as people um, we have to slowly be firm as well you know be not stern but firm that Yes, we share what we have. We care for others, but uh, you know, don't don't try to take advantage of us either, because uh, I think a lot of people out there have had enough of that. But yeah, you know, lots of things can be done. Mm -hmm. Green, how uh, you know, going into farming, micro farming, um, wind, solar, all the technologies out there. It's just a matter of investing in those technologies and utilizing them in the north. Yeah, like we we didn't reach the the creative peak of what we could do. Yeah, and I think like we're not even there yet. No, we're not there. Like you got to think about where we come from. Like you know, my grandfather came from the bush into the communities, and this was like 1910. Just before that, they set up the trading posts in, in the 18 and 1700s. So you have like about three, maybe 350 years uh, since, you know, Mula, since non-Indigenous peoples have come into the north. And since that time, gradual changes have been made, but we didn't actually come into the, you know, the communities until the treaties were signed, which was 1921, right? And uh, just last year or two years ago it was a hundred years so we've adapted fairly quickly you know but there's still a lot of things that have been left behind that we're grappling with when it comes to residential school impacts the intergenerational school trauma and those survivors as well there's um, a lot of hurt a lot of pain mistrust from those times um, and when I say mistrust, uh, you know, governments uh, have promised the people this and that, free housing, whatnot, and end up where we are today. A lot of people struggling to find their own homes, to, 
to find their own houses, um, basically begging on their home, own homeland. Um, and that shouldn't be happening. But I'm just trying to paint a picture as to how far we've come in those 100 years. And I don't know what the next 100 years are going to look like. You know, I have two young kids mm -hmm. thinking about them, what they're going to have to deal with, the decisions that they're going to have to make. But it's the hope that we share our words and our thoughts and our ideas and potential solutions to pass on through like conversations like we're having right now mm -hmm. so they can look back on it and maybe pick at it and we you know try to provide for them down the road some guidance on what can be done and maybe they'll they'll figure it out i don't know that's the most exciting thing is we don't know what will happen you know um with what's happening right now with the huge flooding in California, the drying up of lakes uh, and river systems in Europe last summer. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, uh, a whole city of a million people or something like that in Africa ran out of water. Um, and, and water is, uh, you know, uh, a sacred entity. It's, uh, you know, like they say, water is life. And I think at the way down the road, the north will be one of the the places where people will find refuge because we have quite a bit of water. Um, unfortunately, you know, further down south, you know, their water's been contaminated. No, we can't take advantage of it. Um, we really have to think about the effects that are coming downstream. You know, and water is precious. You know, when you're around it, you feel good. You know, it, it, it's needed for life. Like, there is no life out there that can live without it. Um, so what I meant about the, imp the effects from, you know, upstream, coming downstream, is like the oil sands. You know, they're, they have plans to release some of their, their tailings ponds you know, filtered tailings ponds into the Athabascan River. That's, that pours out into the Slave River and also to the, the Great, Great Slave Lake. Um, that's a concern. You know, that's not going to be happening for a number of years from now, but I think more voices are needed to, to share that maybe that shouldn't be happening. Maybe there's got to be another way. Um, and that's just one thing, right? Um, you know, how we can change things. There's yeah. a multitude of different things that we need to be doing to alter our future so we don't screw this planet up. Nezilet, <laughs> that's no good. That's going to be no good, yeah. Um, any last words? Like, uh, what do you want to say to the audience um, from your perspective on climate change? What do you want to say? I could say a lot. I'd say. Um, but you know, uh, I grew up with my grandparents and listening to the elders talk about a lot of the worries, concerns that they have for their, you know, the, the future, their future grandchildren. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, you know, there's a lot of these things that are happening, you know, a lot of injustices, or just. Uh, there, it can 
it can be a lot when you focus your energy on how you can solve the world's problems. I, uh, and I just want to say, you know, that be hopeful, you know, make connections, build bridges, and try to work towards understanding one another at the end of the day as indigenous, non-indigenous, as a world, as a species. I think, you know, with the war in Ukraine and all of that's happening, you know, that's happening right now, um, way, way down the road, and I've said this before, none of it will matter, you know, race wars or wars over resources or whatnot. None of it will matter if we destroy the planet. And water's going to be one of the things that we're going to have to look for. I don't know. I can't see that far down the road. But my point is, try not to overwhelm yourself. You know, live your life. Be happy. You know, do good things. Try to be a good person. Um, learn from your mistakes. And, uh, yeah, just enjoy the, the time that you have here. Try to make a little bit of a difference, but uh, don't don't set the world on your sh- shoulders where you're, you're carrying a heavy load. I don't think as human beings, you know, we're meant to be doing that. The <laughs> um, reason why I say that, right, is because my grandfather years ago, when, uh, you know, they, they were having all of these leadership meetings and whatnot, and it came to the issue of land claim, right? And the, the government, the, the GNWT wanted this, the federal government wanted this, the Detro wanted this, and it was just like a lot, and a, a lot of promises, a lot of things that we could be looking at. So I took what I've gathered from that leadership meeting and went to my grandfather because my grandfather lived through a long life, right? And I, I shared with him, I was like, this is what's going on. All of these things needs our attention. And he just looked at me, he just kind of chuckled a little bit, huh? So, <laughs> and he, said, he looked at that map, he said, first off, right? this is all our land, land. that's what Nahinde means in the language. And he said, in the language, you know, all of these problems uh, are not really your own personal problems. You can try to do the best that you can to help out, but uh, don't, don't carry too much of that. It's no good to worry, huh? Worrying is uh, cause stress. Stress can cause sickness. And so... He was always telling me, right? your, your mind is very strong. Whatever you speak, your words, that's powerful too. Right? Your, your spirit is strong as well. And so to connect the three requires a level of peace and understanding. 
and you need that peace for the three to work well. And you can't have peace if you're always worrying about this and that. And, you know, with media today, through television, through podcasts, through whatever, you know, we're, we're fed a lot of that. And so most times, you know, we get caught up in it. And I work in media, you know. Um, and I do really want to, you know, make changes. But I'm just one person and I can't do that alone. And really you need a radical bunch, I think, to, to make those, those changes. And I think, you know, that generation is coming. You know, maybe it's ours, maybe it's my kids, maybe it's their kids. What I do know is seven generations is going to take to really, you know, get over a lot of the stuff that we've uh, had to deal with. And uh, maybe they'll, they'll have it figured out down the road. But, you know, to, that's what, what I'm saying right now is what I share with my kids, right? What I share with my immediate friends and family. Um, try to be happy, you know, love as much as you can. Try to be kind and understanding and respectful. You know, try not to let your ego, you know, get in the way of how you think of others and yourself. You know, uh, and try not to be too selfish, you know, but still at the same time, you got to think about yourself. You got to learn how to take good care of your, your mind, your spirit and your heart in order to help others. You know, you got to help yourself and love yourself. So. You know, um, final thoughts would be just take good care of yourselves. Right? I always heard that from the elders. And then it goes out. Like, we got to help others out. You know, through little acts of kindness, through, through good words, and, and what have you. But at the same time, I think we also need to be who we always were, you know, as Dene, strong, you know, be brave. Do things sometimes you're scared to do because of what others think, you know. Don't, don't let that stop you from uh, living out your life and living out your dreams. <laughs> Go find yourself, you know, use the land. I always say that to to people, you know. The land is there to heal and help and guide. Go out there, find yourself. And once you find yourself, you know, you you won't be scared of the world. And you'll go into it wanting to, to help others. Um, so yeah, you know. Enjoy the time that you have here and make room for positive growth, I guess is what I want to say. You know, the, the, the world is so huge compared to us. The, do you know, did you know that there's people in the world that don't know that we're up here? It's just like, maybe that's how it, you know, we, we should keep it. I don't know. Um, but one day, you know, there's 9 billion people on this planet. And if we don't fix this climate issue, they're going to come knocking on our door. And if that day ever comes, 
I hope we've done a good enough job to protect what we have today in order to to help save them. You know, this this place might be the the last place on earth to save not only our species but you know the species of other animals and beings. So you know, just do the best that you can. Try not to worry too much. And, uh, you know, for younger people, I hope you can craft a vision that you want to carry out. Um, but, you know, day by day, step by step, you know, we, we can't all have it all one shot as much as we want it. And don't let uh, greed, jealousy, you know, disdain for others get get to the core of who you are as a human being because um, we see a lot of that you know and uh, yeah I could say a lot more but it's getting late I know you have to go <laughs> and uh, yeah you know just take good care of yourselves you know um, try the best that you can if you're unsure, find people that will support you and lift you up. I think that's what's helped me over the years. Yeah, yeah. Thanks, thanks for this. Must see.